Flushing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Miss uh, Fine. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's another episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield. It's a podcast about a show called The Nanny starring Fran Drescher, a lady who was on a TV show <laughs> in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> I am Shondi Pasquale here with... Toria Sheffield, and I would say that she's also known for other things now. An yeah. icon. Yeah, and, a comic friend Drescher, I guess you could also say. Yep, and uh, president of SAG-AFTRA. AFTRA. Oh, right. I forgot she's the president now. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll never be in SAG now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is episode season three, episode 19, Love is a Many Blundered Thing, and it was directed by the great Dorothy Lyman. Mm-hmm. Um, as evidenced by all of the physical comedy in this episode, which I loved. Uh, and then this week we have uh, two two new writers who we haven't seen yet. Uh, this this week's episode is credited to Dan and Jay Amernick, who I can only assume are related in some way because they share a last name. Hmm. Um, they I'm- only ever wrote on the nanny. And yeah. Love is a Many Splendor Thing was a romance drama from 1955. And if you like the movie Moulin Rouge, you probably always go, Love is a Many Splendor Thing, like you and McGregor did. Mm-hmm. Or if you like Star Wars, you probably go, I have the high ground, Anakin, <laughs> just like you and McGregor did. <laughs> right? Are we not just quoting you and McGregor? I don't understand. Uh, but yeah, so they, these guys um, were story editors, it looks like, on the majority, on 22 episodes. Wow. Uh, so they were production staff guys who got to write three episodes they got to write. And by the way, this is the episode where Fran thinks Mr. Sheffield sent her a secret admirer card for Valentine's Day. Yes. And then and then insanity. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. So, all right. I guess let's walk through. Let's. Why don't you walk us through the episode? Let's walk and through the crime we'll scene. Do the thing. And yeah. <laughs> uh, why are we here doing a podcast at this horrible scene today? Victoria, put your gloves on. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we start off by establishing <laughs> and your booties. <laughs> oh no! There's blood everywhere. It's all over me now. <laughs> all right. Well, let's just finish this episode and then we'll get out of this place. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, so we start off by establishing that Valentine's Day is coming up, and Fran initially starts off by saying, like, oh, I, you know, I'm really not into Valentine's Day. It's just overly commercialized. I don't buy into it. And, and no sooner does she say that, does she get a Valentine from a guy named Jeff, and she's all of a sudden like, I love Valentine's Day. It's the most romantic day of the year. So we we establish kind of the timeline of, of this episode, a few days before Valentine's Day. And then Brighton and his friend Tommy come in. And I should say she was talking to the two girls, Maggie and Gracie. Yeah. Brighton and Tommy come in. And I wrote, I just wrote, Tommy is such a 90s boy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actor Michael Bacall, who you definitely recognize if you were watching TV at this time of your life. Like, I feel like he was always the friend or sometimes like the bad boy who smoked cigarettes or... Uh, this this felt a little out of character, actually, just being nice guy. I don't know. I don't know where I got that feeling from him. What what was he in? 
I, I know he was in an episode of Buffy when he was a little older, but he's just one of those mm. people where if you go to his IMBD, he was in like everything, you know, as, no, a, as, like one- a, as like a one-time guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Tommy and Brighton come in and we establish that uh, neither of them have a Valentine's that week. And, you know, at first, again, Brighton's sort of like, ugh, I hate Valentine's Day. You're supposed to give a girl a car and she's supposed to like you or something dumb. And then Fran's like, no one gave you a Valentine. And he's like, no. And he like cries on her shoulder, which I, I really like this version of Brighton, which they're using a lot, which is like, he's, he puts up a tough front, but he always ends up just crying. And that was one of the things I also really liked. That was like my first note. It was like, <laughs> sad Brighton is, is very funny. Yeah. The, 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 the fronting tough guy who's like, oh, I'm too cool. And then immediately breaks down. It's like, mommy. <laughs> yeah. It's very funny. And that's a gay works for him really well. Because yeah. it plays into the like entitled like silver spoon spoiled boy thing too. So it, it all like fits with his character mm-hmm. much more than like vaudevillian 50-year-old trapped in a 12-year-old mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. And also endearing, I would say, yeah. in its own way. Well, and then um, Tommy says he doesn't have a Valentine, but there is a girl he likes, even though he thinks she might be a little out of his league. Right. Now, and- they play they they play a little trickery here, although I still, patting myself on the back, would like to say that I called the end of this midway through the episode before they revealed it. But it also did. But you're going to say you thought he liked Maggie, right? They, and they and they play it as such because he kind of turns his body towards her. He's like sort of like averting his eyes from looking directly at her. And then she responds to his comments. So like they they really tried to sort of sleight of hand this reveal. Um, mm-hmm. And it it sort of worked. But I, I mean, I was like, I, I mean, I literally wrote two notes from now. I wrote without seeing the end. I'm calling it now that it's that it's Tommy. Yeah. Um, Well, then we cut to uh, Mr. Sheffield's office and, you know, as usual, everyone's in there for no reason. So it's like Fran, Niles, and Cece. And he's also saying that, you know, he's just not that into Valentine's Day. Oh, and I guess I should say this starts with Fran coming in, offering her – oh, sorry, offering him a chocolate from one of those heart-shaped boxes. Right. And she knows – what every single one of the chocolates is. She's like, that one's mint, that one's coconut. And it's because she's nibbled on all of them, which I found so relatable. That's the first thing I do when I get them. I compulsively nibble into all of them. Um, Really? Oh, yeah. Very selfish. (laughs) I was going to say, wow, so it's just for you. Yeah, I mean, but often it is. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to lie. But so – he uh, says he's not that into Valentine's Day, and and he's he's like you know there's just not really anybody special in my life right now that I I care to to share the day with. So they all then encourage him to put himself out there and ask somebody out. And he's he goes, hmm, you know there there is that redhead from the foundation. And then they all start talking over each other, and you just hear it's funny because you just hear like tidbits, and you hear someone say like with the big butt. You hear someone saying like her. I don't. I'm not really sure what Niles's chatter was, but I think he also was like mm, not into it. And then they all calm down, and Fran's like, I mean, uh, no, no, like that's a great idea. Like ask her out for ice cream or something. And then she looks at Cece, and she goes, With a us like that, you know, she likes it. And <laughs> she and Cece high five. Yeah, which I I liked that little bonding moment. I loved it. This yeah. was a, this was another scene that I I I also. I adored it. Like there was something I wrote. My note was, I really like when they're all on the same team against Mr. Sheffield. (laughs) 
Like there was something, there was like a bonding there that was really cute to see when they're all talking excitedly over each other and then Fran and Cece high-fiving and them all sort of then shifting into like trying to encourage him. Like I, I thought it was great. I, I really, I really thought it captured like a good essence that I want to see more of. Like I want to see more of all of them sort of working together. Like, like the insults are funny, but it's, I think it's kind of more fun to see them all in on a thing, you know? I think it's, oh, I think it's really nice when in these shows, they, they evolve into like a little family, into Mm -hmm. a little found family. And that's like, that's what we ultimately want from them. Yeah. Um, So I, I loved it too. Um, and then, then we could do a scene. I loved this. I was laughing out loud. It's, a bus stop scene. Fran and Val are waiting for, you know, a New York City bus and there's tons of people also at the bus stop. Mm-hmm. And Val's like, oh, we're never going to get a seat, which is like, you know, I lived in New York for nine years and that is such a, it's such a thing. Like you, you know, when you're like, it's a long day of work, you're exhausted. And then you see everybody else on the platform and you just know you're going to be standing for like the next hour. <laughs> uh, and it just, you know, really is like such an accurate, um, little bit of writing but but so Val says that and then Fran goes don't worry Val I'll take care of that and then she like very loudly goes can you believe there's a two-bedroom for rent for only $400 on the corner? And everybody like perks up and then just runs like because, you know, it's New York and they're like, we got to get, you know, access to that deal. And then you look around and you realize Val has also run. <laughs> so Fran is standing completely alone because yes. she's like, Val, can you believe how stupid people are? And then she's like, Val. And, yeah, and, then and Val- <laughs> you know, here again, I felt like, this was this was a solid joke because the apartment joke was good, right? And I was like, "Oh, that's a good joke," and everyone's gonna run. But then the Val, the the reveal of Val running, you know, her friend running away with the crowd, that really got me. I did not expect it, and it got me good. Like I, I, I thought it was great. So you know, and then she comes back and she's like. Fran, there isn't an apartment, is there? Like she's really like betrayed yeah. and sad. Um, but so then, well, it's just the two of them now at the bus stop. You know, Fran starts rifling through her bag for change, and she pulls out a card, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, what's this?" She opens it, and it is a Valentine from a secret admirer asking to meet her at Sutton's Ice Cream Parlor at three p.m. on Valentine's Day, and it's addressed to Miss Fine. Yep. So she instantly thinks it must be for Mr. Sheffield because, like, he's the only person that really calls her that. So we we sort of – that's, I would say, like, the big plot point of the episode that sets everything else up. And so far, I, it's interesting that you started this by saying you didn't like it as much as I did because I feel like so far, you <laughs> every scene we've talked about, you're like, I love this scene. <laughs> it's It just it – un, it unraveled to me when we get to, like, the third act. Okay. I don't know. Maybe, maybe on rewatching, I'm, I'm liking it. Maybe it's That's like when fair. I watched when I watched Wet Hot American Summer, and in the first time I didn't like it, and then I loved it. I don't know. <laughs> um, but so, well, then the next scene uh, we also established that Cece, as usual, is trying to set it up so she can seduce Mr. Sheffield on Valentine's right. Day, and she, I love this bit where she um, says to Niall, she, she's like, um, you know, how much do I need to pay you? to basically disappear tonight so I can have Maxwell alone. And he goes, try 50 bucks. And so she shells out $50 and then he just goes, didn't work. I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then this is just a little like setup so that Fran can then like, you know, come down in that dress. She comes down looking great. 
Mm-hmm. But I, this was another beat where I was like, everyone's hitting on Fran again. And it, it just, every time <gasps> they do this, it feels so <laughs> I, weird where it's like this lady who both works for them and like lives there. It's like anytime she gets any kind, and she's like normally pretty well dressed, you know, and like, but like anytime she gets like really dolled up, every man in the house is like, she's in this tight red dress. She looks fabulous. The Niles part didn't bug me as much because the way he did it was almost more like a gay best friend. Like he's, he goes, whoa, baby, go, whoa. But it was very jokey. It was the Mr. Sheffield response that creeped me out. He he literally walks in. He looks her up and down. He rubs his hands together like he's about to eat a delicious meal. (laughs) And he goes, oh, Miss Fine, what a sexy dress that is. And I'm like, ew, you're her boss. Calm down. (laughs) It was so awful. Um, I just wrote, OMG, gross, so inappropriate for an employer. Um, And then – but then we have this beat where they're on two different wavelengths where – he genuinely thinks she's just going out on a Valentine's Day date, and she thinks that he's playing coy because because he secretly she- sent her a secret admirer card, yes. and he's just trying to keep the secret until the last minute when they meet up for the the big reveal. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you know she's like, oh, I've got a hot date, and he's like, well, he's a very lucky man, and she's like, don't yeah. get ahead of yourself. And so they're they're totally like having two different conversations in the same conversation. But mm-hmm. this is actually where I started not loving this episode because I thought that this became a case of writing a character for the convenience of this episode, not where they realistically are like emotionally. Normally, Mr. Sheffield would be very jealous about this. But because, you know, like we, we've seen him like all season, like anytime anybody shows an interest in Fran, he instantly gets insecure. He instantly gets petty. He instantly wants to know everything about them. Um, and he's like, you know, obsessing about it with Niles. But because for this episode, it happens to be funnier that he has like no idea that she thinks she's going on a date with him. He's just like, ooh, Ooh, you look great. Like, well, he's a lucky man. Like, have a great night and like walks out. Interesting. I don't know if I entirely agree because I, I feel like, uh, you know, in, in defense of this, I guess what I'll say is like what you're saying, I feel like is way more inconsistent than you're giving it credit for. We've seen her go out on a billion dates only sometimes depending on like, usually if it's like a guest actor who they want to interact with Mr. Sheffield or not. That is when he gets like the most invested. She comes home, she'll mention like, oh yeah, I went out on a date. So like there has also been the implication that like she's dating and he knows it. And like, until he's ready to make a move, his threat level with her dating, I guess, is dependent on like how into this person she might appear to him. Mm, And this one is like, it's Valentine's Day and I'm going on a date. I don't know. So for me, it was more like, well, he's not asking her out on a date. So he's not going to be a dick to her on Valentine's Day and be like, don't go on a date. You know what I mean? Um, I, I don't know. And then and then I also just thought it's interesting because this was th- – th- this and like the sort of what this leads to the – because the next scene is the speed dating scene where <laughs> where where she meets this guy, Jeff. So she goes to the restaurant thinking she's going to meet Mr. Sheffield. Wait, she, wait. It's, I should just say, it's not an actual speed dating event. It's that as she's leaving the house, Niles reminds her that while, yes, she's supposed to meet somebody at 3, she also has right. that date with Jeff at 
Right. Right. And and she has a great line in response where she's like, I can eat fast. You've never seen us, you know, you've never seen me break the fast on Yom Kippur, which I, I love that line. Mm-hmm. I think it's very funny. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Because he's like, well, you're going to have to cancel one of them because you can't possibly meet a five co- eat a five course meal like between 2.30 and 3. And she's right. like, watch me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so this leads into the whole speed dating. And I, and that's just what I'm calling it. It's not actually supposed to be a speed date. In fact, she gets there and Jeff is like, you know, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Let's take our time and really enjoy ourselves. Like, I'm really into you. He seems like a really nice guy. I felt so bad for him. He literally Um, says, I took the whole afternoon off so that we could just have a nice leisurely romantic lunch. (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then we get this bit where Fran. So, okay. So what I liked about this. And 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 the whole prior scene setting it up is that it's just good. It's like solid writing because it's like they're taking really strong conflict, which is rooted in these characters' behavior, you know, at least on a base level, right? Fran wants dates. Fran is also into Mr. Sheffield. Mr. Sheffield's into Fran, but not making a move. Fran's not making a move with Mr. Sheffield. Now we've set up this whole thing where she wants to have her cake and eat it too. He's now going to feel guilty about learning about this and have his own business to do. And then that's all going to lead into the billboard reveal, right? Mm-hmm. And it, all of this stuff propelled, like all of the silliness of like the billboard and everything that happens there, it's all propelled by like, at least in this world, very believable character motivation. You know, even her eating really fast and the comedy of that could have been... I guess more lazily forced in to, to a, a sitcom. And here it, it really felt, you know, at least in the context of the episode, like, okay, this is earned. Sure. This is what Fran would do, you know? Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And I think that it, it, every, you're right. You're right. This all like the, the comedy comes from stuff that feels earned. It's not the like, Oh, um, Mr. Sheffield's suddenly writing a novel and Fran right. feels like they're in a rut. Like we, we've seen the the other version of this and I, I do have to give this episode credit for that. I'll totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oh, so, but that leaves us to that, that really big comedic scene where we lit, they literally speed up the footage in double time. So Which Fran felt like a, down, a nod and maybe I'm projecting my own interests but it felt like a benny hill nod to me very much (laughs) that that whole sequence because it was like quick music with sped up you know uh uh sight gags and it was just her it's like her eating really fast then her you know taking him to the dance floor and dancing really fast (laughs) then sitting down and and having dessert and you know and it was all like sped up and she it it was very very funny i thought it was very good yeah Um, basically she gets like the all the experiences of like a three-hour leisurely lunch in a 30-minute Thing where she's like, they, the, and when she dances, she literally even like tosses her head back, laughs, and kicks her heel up. Yeah, <laughs> but it's in double time. Um, and then she gives him a kiss goodbye, and then she's on her way to the next date. Um, and this is, I also again, I did like this joke. Um, where she arrives at the ice cream parlor for her date, and she sits down. And I think one of my favorite exchanges of the whole episode is when. <laughs> The waiter comes over and goes, oh, can I get you anything while you wait? And she goes, oh, no, like I couldn't possibly. I'm so full. And she's like, oh, but I see you have a minimum. So I guess I'll just get the Mount McKinley, which <laughs> like you, you can imagine is like a huge Sunday. And he's like, you know, it's not that busy. You you don't actually have to order anything. And she's like, oh, I, I wouldn't want you to get in trouble. And he's like, no, it's really okay. And then she yells, rule the rules. Because <laughs> she just she really wants the ice cream. Yeah. Also, um, uh, per, you know, credit 
to production design for this episode for building a whole ass ice cream parlor that is never seen outside of this one. Like they built a whole set mm-hmm. to be like, let's film five lines of dialogue here. And and they also <laughs> used the the song uh, "One Last Give Me One Last Kiss" when she's yeah. on that speed date. So I, I was also noticing the budget. You know, was is a is a big boy now. Yeah, they're like, look, we're mostly only ever on this one set, so sure, let's build an ice cream shop and a restaurant and license the song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, it it's all. Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day episode. This is going to be a huge one for us. <laughs> um, and so then the mater D comes over and says that there is a gentleman there to meet her, but he wants her to close his. What ice cream shop eyes. has a mater D? By the well, way, I'm imagining that. <laughs> Like the fact that it's Sutton's ice cream, that it must be some sort of, you know, in the world of the show, like, you know. Is that a New York thing? You're from New York. I, I forgot to Google it, but I I'd never heard of Sutton's ice cream. Actually, I'll Google mm. it right now. I didn't think it was a real place. But, you know, there are places like this, you know, like Serendipity, which are these um, kind of hot spots to go to. Yeah, I don't think there's a Sutton's ice no. cream in New York. But okay. Um. But, it but that's what it's supposed to be. You're saying is like a like a bougie, uh, high end ice cream parlor. I bet, like a date night. Yeah, yeah like a, a, okay. a place you would go, and it's actually kind of kind of pricey. It's you not know, like you I've, know taking someone to Baskin Robbins. I feel like I've been to those kinds of ice cream shops. Still, never saw a Mater D. But but uh, I'm being nitpicky. <laughs> um, I like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is where you finally write into IMBD goofs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Uh, Excuse me. This is an error. (laughs) There are seldom, if ever, Mater D's in ice cream shops. (laughs) Oh, it's too real. It makes me angry because it's too real. Seldom, if ever. So she closes her eyes and somebody approaches with a bouquet. And of course, it's Tommy, not Mr. Sheffield. So Tommy's the secret admirer. And Fran is, of course, extremely embarrassed. And we cut to her on the phone with Val from the ice cream parlor going, Val, you got to help me out. It turns out Mr. Sheffield was not my Valentine's and you need to help me undo the big gesture that I did to him in return when I thought he was giving me a Valentine. And we cut to a huge billboard in Times Square that says, Mr. Sheffield, will you be my Valentine? Yeah, love Fran. Love Fran. Like, or no, Miss Fine. Love Miss Fine, it yes. says. Yes. And um, I wonder how much would that have cost her realistically? Thousands of dollars. <laughs> thousands so and much. thousands of – it's a billboard in Times Square. <laughs> That's like the most prime advertising real estate in all of New York City, I would imagine. <laughs> like it's the most – that's the most. So, I mean, like maybe hundreds of thousands. I have no idea, but I'm sure it's a lot of money. <laughs> a little, yeah. It's, this is when they started getting a little unrealistic for me um, and a little too sitcom-y, but, so, but still fine. And then we go back to the mansion and um, she's literally in I love one this of those scene too. This was, ones. A, <laughs> this was another Great Brighton scene because you get more of like the – I'm I'm a tough guy, and then he immediately breaks mm-hmm. like a like a little baby. It's so yeah, cute. because well, so Val shows up, and they're gonna you know head to Times Square, but before they can head out, Brighton saunters in with a swagger, and he's like, "How was your date, Fran?" And she's like, oh, "You knew," and he laughs because he clearly thought this was so hilarious. He didn't give her the heads up or anything, and then she's like, "You think you're so smart? Well, guess what." 
my mother is going to pick you up from school tomorrow. And he's like, <laughs> so? And she's like, straight from jazzercise class. And he clearly starts to get a little worried. And he's like, uh, so what's the big deal? And she's like, well, you know, she's going to want to come in and meet all your little friends. She might even do one of her dances from flash dance. <laughs> she's a maniac. And then he literally like falls at her feet crying. And he's like, yeah. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. Um, and she's like, that's right, you little brat. Never do that again. And get out of here and brush your teeth. And then she turns to Val and she goes, what? I'm still his nanny. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which I, lo- I really like that too. Uh-huh. Um, um, and then we get a, a, a real big bit of physical comedy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're at the billboard and they're like p- physically pulling themselves up on. They're on like a window washer. Yeah, uh, a platform basically, which is attached mm-hmm. to the billboard, so that they can raise themselves up to the top of the billboard and then lower themselves down to the bottom of the length of the billboard. You know, to like paint over it or whatever. And yeah, they but, get on there and they immediately get distracted. Yes, they're watching a couple. There's make a couple. Love yeah, there's a couple the having sex across the street <laughs> in their apartment, and they immediately are like. Oh, Ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah. And then and then they even like pulley themselves up further because when they the couple falls to the floor and they want a better angle. But- but I will also say this also had a beat which bugged me, where um Val says, Fran, I don't understand what the big deal is. So what if Mr. Sheffield sees this Valentine's? You're in love with him, aren't you? And Fran literally goes, Well, yeah, but not if he, you know, isn't in love with me. Right. And I I'm like, okay, so are we we're establishing this as canon now? Yes. That Fran is in love with Mr. Sheffield, even though the, she is we've never talked about this really before. Like I, I, mean, I didn't think I, that- I think it's an un I mean, yeah, we have. It's an undeniable thing. They have had romantic moments at this point. They've kissed at this point. They've both been jealous over other potential suitors. Like I, I I don't know. See, I liked this because I and I also saw it for what it was, which is is it very much feels like a sort of writerly reset of like, yes, look, we know these two like each other, but here is the reason why they haven't gotten together yet, and it's simple, which is she's. It's what I said before. She's too scared to tell him how she feels without knowing he feels the same, and he's vice versa, and. And they sort of try to play it like they're both being respectful of like the employee-employer line, which is BS because he also is like, blah, 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 you're so sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's – but I think from the – so I don't buy that, but I do buy the emotional motivation, which is like, you know, yeah, neither one of them must look like an idiot, you know, because they like each other so much. I think I would have been happier if maybe Val had said something like that and and maybe Fran's response was like, well, I mean, I don't know, maybe, but but certainly not if he's not into me. Like, I, I guess I didn't like such a strong declaration. I think I wanted that to come out in a different way. Maybe even like, you know, mid-fight between Mr. Sheffield and Fran, maybe when Fran or one of them thinks they're going to lose the other to another potential romantic partner and they kind of have to like suddenly have the realization that, well, Yes, of course. Yes, I am in love. I don't know. This seemed a little too throwaway mm. and too casual for such a huge admission that we haven't really heard yet. But hey, you're entitled to your wrong opinion. <laughs> That's what I'll say. No, but we'll let, we'll right. let the listeners. All <laughs> right. I'm not wrong. This was a good episode. Yeah, no, let's, let's, let's see what, what people say about this episode. What do you guys uh, think? This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so what happens is... Uh, so they're, they're desperately trying to look into the window to see the sex because they just want to watch two strangers <laughs> get it on. And Val starts leaning. They both start leaning forward on the, on the thing. And then, and oh no. And then they're like, okay, we should get to work. And that's when we realize Val has left the paint that they're going to use to paint over the sign at the bottom of the sign mm-hmm. and Fran's like you left it on the bottom you're like you're you know how could you have done this and and she's like I'm sorry and they're like okay let's lower so the way that these um window washer platforms sort of work is you you kind of it's like a pulley system so you pull yourself up and then on each side of it so each person has to pull their side together and then to release it there's like a handle you use to release it but you have to do the handle at the same time or it or it tips, you know, because mm-hmm. they're two separate levers. Um, so Fran says, all right, let's throw the lever on three, right? But then she says, instead of saying one, two, three, like a normal person, she says three, two, one. But when she says three, Val throws her handle. So of course, Val's side immediately tips really quickly. And she flies off in what looked like a death scene. <laughs> I gasped. I went, oh no, they murdered Val. Well, also, I will say to Fran's credit, what I thought happened was she knows that Val is very dense. So she went, Val, we're gonna, we're gonna release on three. You got that? Three. Emphasizing the number three. So then she would start the count, but then Val mm-hmm. just hears three and then goes and then flies off so but 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 yeah but it happens it looks so violent uh (laughs) that it does seem for a minute like oh no did we just witness a death and then you hear very hilariously i'm okay (laughs) yeah and also so when they do that not only does i'll go tumbling off but the platform falls so fran is left just dangling holding onto a rope yeah um but yeah then you hear val scream i'm okay and she's like i fell onto a terrace and there's a party inside full of cute guys. And then Fran goes, get help and phone numbers. <laughs> and then Val goes, it's only guys. And then Fran goes, get recipe, <laughs> which is great. Um, so we then probably when the show was actually airing, cut to commercial break. But then we get we cut back to uh, Mr. Sheffield in his office and – uh, Cece arrives. Oh, actually, no. He gets off the phone and he goes, Niles, 
that was Andrew Lloyd Webber. He told me there's a huge billboard with someone declaring their love for me in Times Square. Right. My note was, since when is Andrew Lloyd Webber personally calling Mr. Sheffield? Well, that was what that was what that was what the joke here was. Yeah. Because he goes, he goes, can he goes, you know, Niles, like Andrew Lloyd Webber called to tell me there's a giant billboard with a name on it in Times Square. And not, and he goes, Can you believe that? And Niles <laughs> goes, Oh my, he created Phantom of the Opera. And he starts yeah. listing all of his accomplishments. He's like, no, that's incredible that he called you. And he's like, what? No, I mean the billboard with my <laughs> name on it. So, I mean, I don't know. I thought it was funny. That yeah. was like part of the bit. Was yeah, like that, it he, was. That, that it's like, yeah, no, you're impressed about the billboard. You're not impressed that Andrew Lloyd Webber took the time to call you, Mr. Sheffield, yes. that he knows and who then, you are. <laughs> uh, and then this is when Niles kind of spills the beans and he's like, okay, here's what happened. Miss Fine got a note from a secret admirer. She thought it was you. It was actually Brighton's friend Tommy, at which point Mr. Sheffield starts to crack up. And then she's like, he's like, they, so both, she- they both crack up laughing. <laughs> yes. And it was another grief. I really love that moment too. I thought it was really funny to give them a minute where they're just like, laughing at how silly this all is (laughs) yeah and uh then you know he's like so then she put up a billboard for you and then she got embarrassed so uh she is probably there right now gonna like spend all night taking it down and um we should also say that there has been this ongoing little joke in this episode where when fran initially tells niles that mr sheffield uh sent her a valentine's day card Niles becomes incredibly defensive and irate because he does not understand why Mr. Sheffield didn't confide that in him. And he's like, what? No, that's impossible. He tells me everything. And Fran's like, well, I don't know. He didn't tell you this. And so for the whole rest of the episode up until this point, um, Niles is withholding information with Mr. to Mr. Sheffield in order to punish him, sort of like a, a wife, you could imagine. Yeah. So, you know, Mr. Sheffield will be like, oh, like, you know, who's my 4 p.m. meeting with again? And Niles goes, you have your secrets, I have mine, and then walks out. Um, so he's probably just really relieved that... Uh, that he's finally, like, opening up to him. Yeah, yeah, and that, you know, oh, he actually didn't withhold anything from him. Fran had just been um, misunderstanding the situation. But so, um, you know, Mr. Sheffield is now in the loop, um, and then Cece walks in and she's holding, you know, this Valentine's Day basket with champagne and treats. And then she literally goes, Maxwell, I thought you might want something to nibble on tonight. And no sooner does she say that, does she like take off her jacket and kind of like reveal right. her shoulders and collarbone. And <laughs> I felt so bad for her. He takes this like lovingly c- curated a basket. Love basket. Yeah, yeah, a love basket. And he goes, Cece, this is perfect. And he kisses her on the cheek and he immediately beelines out of there. Yep. And she doesn't see him leave because she's already sort of sat down on the couch. And she's like, oh, Maxwell, maybe you should turn the lights low. And Niles just goes, okay. He turns off all the lights and closes the door, leaving and her. And leaves her in the dark. It's so – I wrote, poor Cece. <laughs> alone in the dark. Her gift has been commandeered to give to another woman. It just – it's sad. Yeah. Um, I had two thoughts here. It was one was like, I felt very bad for her. And then I also thought like, man, this is an episode where this nebbishy like nerd man has two women throwing themselves at him. Oh, but please. That's Hollywood, baby. Like, I wish we lived in a world where that didn't happen. He's a successful – no, he's a he's a successful Broadway producer. I guess, yeah. Which, he's, he's exorbitantly wealthy. 
He could be much, much less attractive and still have this be happy. Still have a bunch of women. Yeah, that's in true. this world. So then we get this was another favorite line of mine. So after this, all this whole CC stuff and Maxwell now is on his way to go try to get to the billboard. We get this beat where we cut back to Fran still hanging from the sign. And her opening line, which I felt was like a very weird semi-meta moment, is she goes, no one's going to believe this. And and I thought it was just very funny because it works both in character and also as a weird meta commentary on like, she's been hanging there since we went to commercial, came back, saw an entire other scene, and she's still hanging from this rope. Uh, And she delivers it to no one because there's no one up there with her. Like, like, she's not yelling it down to Val. She just like very sort of calmly goes, no one is going to believe this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You really have to suspend your disbelief yeah. for this episode to work at this point. Um, and But so, so then, here's the wrap up basically, mm-hmm. right? Uh, well, you first of all realize that she's not really very far up from a platform that she could have just dropped down on. Because then Mr. Sheffield shows up and he's maybe like six to seven feet under her and he's on this very wide platform and he's like, Miss Fine, Miss Fine. And you're like, oh, why didn't she just sort of like shimmy down? But either way. Um, So he shows up to help her out and he kind of pulls the rope and she descends and and gets, you know, to safety. And he's like, you know, I heard you were up here and I thought that, you know, we could have just a nice picnic together. And he brings the basket that Cece had made. And Mm -hmm. she's like, oh, really? And he's like, well, we certainly have the view. And then they have a little moment where, you know, they kind of, they, they say a couple nice things to each other. And then they come very, very close to kissing. I actually thought they might really kiss. Me too. Um, but then, then they interrupted. Yeah, a huge police police spotlight shines on them because clearly Val has actually gotten help. And he goes, don't move. You're going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, completely interrupting the moment. And that's yeah. the end of the episode. So I had a thought here at the end. First of all, I thought it was very sweet ending. And because of where they sort of left Fran and Mr. Sheffield, it really made me want to start the next one to see if there was any acknowledgement of continuity. Mm. And and it made me wonder if, and this would be a question only for, you know, for someone involved directly with the show, but I wonder if they ever saw a rating uptick from episodes that ended with a Fran Maxwell moment versus episodes that didn't. Like, like I wonder if it ever was something that they looked at or even acknowledged in the writer's room. Um, and and then like oh did they in that process realize like oh if we we can juice the next week's ratings by sort of ending with a, a tease, I feel like unless a sitcom ends with to be continued, you kind of have a sense there's going to be a bit of a reset. Mm-hmm. Um, to be continued, I bet would absolutely like if they kissed and then it was to be continued. I think we would absolutely be like I got to see what happens, mm. but. Um, I'm trying to think because – and also it's like it's not like you would necessarily – maybe you would tease this in a commercial leading up to the episode. Right. Yeah. Well, there's this um, – well, it's obviously different from a sitcom. There's this book about TV writing called like – it's called like The Billion Dollar Kiss or something like that. Um, and it's basically about how the writers of Dawson's Creek – figured out that the formula for the show, like truly in terms of rating, was just who was kissing Katie Holmes that week. (laughs) And so they just – the show really, you know, instead of it being like a Dawson show, it became a like who's kissing 
Kate, who's kissing Joey Potter? And and that's how they took a show that was really um, sluggish in its second season's ratings and then developed what they called not a plot line, but a plot engine, which carried it to like five to six more, you know, full seasons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they, I get that. I mean, yeah. it makes sense, right? That, 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 you know, if, if that's what your show is really about, then like, yeah, that's what people are tuning in for, right? They want to know who's going to, who's going to get the girl. Basically. Yeah. I mean, I mean, friends I, did the same thing, you know, I, oh, friends, yeah. friends, entire, the entire engine of friends was Ross and Rachel. Will they, won't they? Yeah. And I'll be the first to admit, I we should move into segments. Let's go to segments. And now segments. So segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. Here's the thing. I want to start with a segment that we do sometimes on this show because we talked about it before uh, at IMDb uh, write-ins. This is one of my favorite ones. This this one plays so well into the joke you made before. So this is from the Goofs page on IMDb, Continuity Goof. I, lo- I love this one. When Fran rolls her spaghetti around her fork, she has one huge forkful, almost her entire plate of pasta, perfectly rolled around the tines very neatly. The very next camera angle, she is holding a forkful of spaghetti, but it's completely messed up and not neatly swirled around her fork. I just... One of one found this interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It makes me so tired when I, when I read that someone took the time that somebody (laughs) clearly watches the show, but also has zero sense of humor or sort of sense of how, like, who cares? Like, who cares what's important and what isn't to like a production where it's like, yeah, obviously, like, they went for the funnier take and the spaghetti wasn't the same. And it's like, I'm sure there was a conversation about, does this matter at all? And the answer was like, yeah. no. But then I also go, like, what is that person's life like day to day? Like, zero sense of humor, so literal that like, can they, can they function? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> <sighs> they also they also incorrectly cite that Fran they 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 try to say that there's an error a continuity error in Val not being on the deck where Mr. Sheffield is standing but that's not where she was sent so that's just doesn't <laughs> like they're like they're like her character drops uh to the deck below and then completely disappears and never returns but when Mr. Sheffield arrives a few minutes later the deck where he stands is shown and Val is nowhere in sight and it's like she wasn't there she literally flew yeah, she had to a the huge arc to of her <laughs> yeah like like the implication to me was she flew to like the patio of another building Oh yeah, no. She had some real air behind her. <laughs> she like flew through the air. There was a lot of velocity. Uh, she, uh, but right. what my thought when watching yeah. that scene was, you know, I just always had a thought. I'm like, you know, Fran Drescher, she's clearly in fantastic shape. Must be taking really, really good care of herself. Probably, you know, militant diet. How many bites of that spaghetti did she have to take? That's what I was thinking. Right. I don't even think it was real spaghetti. What do you think it was? Like probably Hardboard. like <laughs> or like cold fake yeah, like like the one where it's like perfectly wrapped around the tines. I like I do think that they like just made that to look Prop funny. spaghetti. Yeah, they made it to look funny, so it was like be perfectly standing up the whole plate of spaghetti. Like that's the joke. You just yeah. you don't you don't do that with real spaghetti. It wouldn't even really work that way. You know, at a certain point. So it's a prop. I, I don't know. People are yeah. 
Too well, focused on the wrong things. <laughs> that's true. Well, okay. Then in terms of uh, favorite lines and moments, I, I already said a lot of mine, but one thing that I didn't say was when Mr. Sheffield says he's heading to work, Fran, who's like really anxious because he, she doesn't want him to see the big billboard. She goes, he, he goes, oh, I'm heading to the theater. And she's like, you mean the one where your show is? And he goes, no, I mean the one with the talking pig. You know, every time I see it, I discover something. And he's like, of course I'm heading to the one uh, with my like with my show. But he's basically insinuating that he knows he's going to go watch Babe. Babe, like, Pig in the five. City, my favorite pig. <laughs> yeah, I just liked his very sarcastic delivery of, uh, no, no, I'm going to go watch Babe again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of mentioned, like, my favorite line was the Yom, the Yom Kippur line. I thought that was really funny. And mm-hmm. I also liked when Fran is yelling at Brighton and then tells him to brush his teeth and goes, mm-hmm. what? I'm still his nanny. I thought that was also really, really funny. And then no one's going to believe this also. <laughs> the, the, but the, the, I actually liked the physical comedy and, like, the relationship moments in this more than I had, like, favorite lines. There weren't as many zingers to this episode as – as some episodes passed. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I did laugh very hard at the uh when Val runs with everybody else. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah but that's apartment. physical comedy. It's like yeah. physical comedy. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I love that too the the apartment reveal uh, the bus station reveal uh-huh. was very good. And then in terms of Yiddish, there wasn't any Yiddish this episode that I picked up on. No, me neither, but um IMDb for this episode claims that the character playing Tommy was 23, and I I call shenanigans. When was he born? I don't know. Let's see, Mike. His name. But is is that guy 23? There's no way. Well, let's. He's like a little boy. What? Call born in 1973. Yeah. Okay. He he was just 1973, and this came out in what 19. like 95? Oh, man. Is that true? Yeah, 1996. 1973 to 1996. It was about 22, 23. That's bananas. I mean, I guess he was a baby. But you know, <sighs> bananas. 23. He's he a like very, 14 years old. <laughs> he's a very petite man. Yeah. And his wow. voice didn't even sound like his voice wasn't like, uh, you know, there was no. I don't know. I, that was I, that blew me away when I read that. I thought that was insane. Wow. Um, also, the the cop voice at the very end. No, that's. Yo, you have this? Yes. Okay. All right. I was gonna go nanny trivia short and sweet this week. All right, do it. All right, let's do it. Who? So nanny trivia. Who played the cop voice at the end? That's not how we do trivia. It's not Jeopardy. <laughs> We're gonna cut all this. I'm gonna go now on to nanny trivia. All right. So the voice at the end of this episode, the cop voice yelling, you know, don't worry, you're going to be okay. That is Fran's real life father, Morty uh, Drescher. No, Mor- yeah, Morty yeah, Drescher. Morty Drescher. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And yeah. we've still never seen Morty in, in the show. No. Or in real life to be fr- – oh, no, he did appear in an episode already once, didn't he? Morty. Like the real life Morty. Weren't, weren't they oh, in an yeah, episode yeah. As, as in like the background or something? He played an uncle. He played right. like an uncle who in a like bar mitzvah type scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've seen the real Morty Drescher. They, we still haven't gotten to an episode where they cast someone to play him, although we've got very close a week ago with the uh, – <laughs> We saw a hand. We saw a hand. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. That's not a week ago because we've, we oh, recorded that one out of you're order. Right. You're right. That's in the future. Yeah. All right. Very, well, very... now you have to cut this too. 
Oh, just let's start over. <laughs> yeah. Shorten the whole thing down. Um, um, all right. Well, that's cool trivia, short and sweet trivia. Mm-hmm. And then for the Fran or the Cece, I think from what we've talked about before, we're both the Frans because I said I'm 100% the Fran in the sense that yeah. I would never admit feelings for someone if they didn't admit it first. Like I would 100% be mortified if so I gave someone a Valentine and they didn't give me one back. And I would never pull the CC, which was this like overt, you know, seduction uh, moment. And so that that was very relatable where when Val was like, but you're in love with him. And she's like, but not if he's in, not in love with me. Yeah. 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 I, same. I would mm-hmm. never make a move on. I mean, Elizabeth had to make the first move in our relationship because mm-hmm. I just was never going to do it. You know, mm-hmm. that was also though why I never was successful at like picking women up in bars and stuff because it always felt so presumptuous to be like, oh, hi, I'm a random person who's going to talk to you and then we're going to go out on a date or something. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. That, that just felt so weird to me. I never felt comfortable doing it. Yeah. Ever. ever. And- I have the a different type of problem where if I am if I'm interested in somebody, I am so cold to them. I ignore them. Like mm. I give no indication because it's like my defense mechanism of like I don't want them to think that that's embarrassing. So you, so oftentimes I found out after the fact somebody who I was interested in totally would have been interested in me, but they thought I was like very unapproachable and very um, intimidating. Um, and usually I always say this, I've always, it's, it's like the reverse where we say you're actually usually attract people when you're not interested. Cause that's when like you're your warmest, most authentic self. Yeah. I feel like we, I feel like maybe I was going to say, why do we always end up talking about this? Because this is a theme of because this, this is the theme of the show. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Well, and, and certainly of the, who's the friend or the CC. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that, that's, that is why we always end up ending the show with a deep analysis into our relationship. <laughs> yeah. It's very and upsetting. That, and I want to say, so that's the episode. And I, I wish I had said this at the front of the episode, but I wanted to say we had a special guest listener this week. Oh, yeah, we Fran's did. Fran's dad. Fran's yeah. dad. Fran's dad is here. I meant, no, I meant mm. Sean's dad. Nope, Morty Drescher. <laughs> Freudian slip. Yeah, no, my dad's uh, silently listening and playing on his phone. Oh, I don't so know that's, that's you're like, that. he's actually fallen asleep. My dad is, <laughs> my dad has passed away while we were recording this. <laughs> um, all right. Well, so listen, if you like the show and some of you have been doing it recently, we see you, uh, mm-hmm. please leave five star, uh, ratings on Apple podcasts and Spotify and anywhere where you can rate the show. Uh, leave a five-star rating and then a little review and we see it. And that also means that other people see it and it grows the audience of the show, which mm-hmm. I'm happy to report continues to grow every week. It's really, yeah. it's really heartwarming and amazing to see people continue to find the show and then listen to it and then stick with it. It's yeah. really awesome. And what's really amazing from talking to other people that do podcasts is our, our audience retention throughout the episode is also really high so like people listen all the way to the end. So thank you. That means mm-hmm. a lot. And it's awesome. Um, if you want to talk to us, you can find us on uh, Instagram and Twitter at oh Mr. Chef Pod. That's oh Mr. Chef Pod with two Fs. And write to us there and we'll write back to you, I would say, 10 out of 10 times. I don't think mm-hmm. we've ever not responded to a comment. Or no, a I love it. It makes my day when we get a, when we get a yeah. comment. And yeah. sometimes people give us really helpful tips. Like they, they're really listening. They'll be like, oh, I heard you mention oh, – yeah. 
you're interested in this and you should watch this or you should look here. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If you have like facts or tips or things to say like relevant to the show, definitely don't hesitate to reach out. Um, and if you just want to say hi or what's up or ask Toria her shoe size, um, mm-hmm. you know, anything goes. Size two, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, and on that note, I will say, uh, everybody, get out. Eh, 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 eh. Not <gasps> you. Oh, not you. You know who you are. Okay. <laughs> you goodbye, do. All everybody. Right. Goodbye. The flashing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. I, uh, uh, Miss Fine. <laughs> <laughs>